0: Episode 282 of Global From Asia, We're talking about B2C direct from China and sustainability. And in my intro, I have Miles and Maggie say hello.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now, your host, Michael Michelini. Thank you, everyone, for choosing to listen to the Global From Asia podcast. It's I'm recording today on Thanksgiving Day here in Chiang Mai, Thailand. Do you guys know Thanksgiving?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: What did you learn in school about it? You got a day off today here. Mm. What's Thanksgiving?
1: It's Thanksgiving, you got candies. Thanksgiving is candy
0: oh so thanksgiving is about candy i didn't know that i remember it's when the europeans gave native americans some food together in the u.s it's a u.s holiday i guess it's all about food and turkeys here but yeah it's international school so they had the day off and uh, i'm taking them out with me i'm gonna go to an fba meetup, and i'm gonna talk to some people visiting um, so it's just all good here in Global Media episode 282 in a back of a grab. I tried to do these intros on the go uh, just to uh, maximize my time and, you know, get you guys a little bit of updates what's happening here. So we're working on doing uh, some kind of an event here in Chiang Mai one day. But uh, Miles, Maggie, we're, we're, you guys are going back to China for a while, right? Yes. Yes. You miss China?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: You like to speak English or Chinese?
1: Chinese! Chinese!
0: Really? I think Maggie, you like English.
1: I like English. I like English.
0: Alright, well, Wendy's family's not feeling so well. There's been some uh, deaths and some other changes in the family, so she wants to spend more time with them. So 2020 is going to be a time back in China. I'm going to go back for Christmas for a while and then... Uh, might have to i might i might be on the road a lot with you guys in china is that okay 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 all right i'll keep you guys i'll keep listeners updated but uh, 2020 is gonna be an exciting year um well, a lot of moving around and i hope that you guys are preparing and girls are preparing for your new year this week's show we have sydney badger it was amazing i got to meet her at the cross border summit here in guangzhou china and She's doing some amazing things. She also spent a lot of time at Amazon, and she's setting up her own basically B2C operations of fashion clothes from China and other parts in the future and other parts of Asia. And there's some pretty fascinating discussions. I think she's got to come back on the show. There's so much amazing things she was sharing and insights, and hopefully it gives everybody here some in of house sustainability. And she's using Made in China with her fashion business, which is interesting. And she shares about why she's so open about that okay and also if you want to hear more of the kids and some of the life updates for me we won't squeeze it too much into this intro you can hear the blah 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 session right
1: yes my teeth is almost fall out
0: yeah we can talk about miles's teeth too later okay so if you want some of that the blah 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 session after the interview without further ado let's take it away to sydney Do you enjoy the Global From Asia podcast and want to meet other listeners and experts? We are working already on our fifth annual Cross-Border Summit. Plan is Chiang Mai in November 2020. Love to hear from you and hear your insights. If you'd like to be an attendee, a speaker, or maybe you think it's just day in China, I'd love to check it out at crossbordersummit.com contact. Always open for collaborations. It's about a year away, so there's plenty of time, but we're going to be working on it, making it better than ever. It's all about quality over quantity, and we want to have a quality event in uh, Chiang Mai about e-commerce, talking, of course, Amazon, also talking about Chinese e-commerce, and talking about Southeast Asia, Lazada. It's going to be an interesting one, uh, one of a kind, anywhere in the world. So keep the dates open, crossbordersummit.com. Okay, thank you, everybody, for tuning another Global From Asia podcast. We have an interesting one, you know. I'm always on the lookout for, you know, ins- insights and people on the ground, you know. And I think that's a big part of the show is people, you know, practicing what we're doing here. And and uh, Sydney Badger, I got to meet at the Cross Border Summit too. Also, thanks for supporting the event and coming. And and uh, thanks uh, for coming on the show, Sydney.
2: Yeah, no, thank you very much for having me and for the Cross Border Summit. It was a great opportunity for me to be meeting people. New people in the Shenzhen, Guangzhou area as well. So I'm happy to be here and excited to talk to
0: you. Great, great. So today we're going to talk about going, you know, e-commerce from China and, and Asia direct, as well as sustainability, which of course is a, is not just a buzzword. It's also like really important, you know, for the world um, to be more, you know, uh, think more about the environment and longevity. But before we dive into the uh, into the meat, do you want to give people a little bit of background about yourself uh, and and what you do, Sydney? Sure.
2: Um, So I'm a co-founder of Public Habit, which is a fairly new fashion e-commerce site that uh, creates premium quality essentials. We primarily focus on cashmere and wool for women, um, and we make our styles on demand. So we don't make anything until we get an order. So we're trying to take waste out of the system by only making what we need.
0: Perfect. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, um, it's, it's great. Is, is your co-founder or you, you have multiple partners, um, as well?
2: So the, it's my co-founder and I, my co-founder Zaha is based in Seattle, which is kind of my home base. I moved to Shenzhen just, um, just less than a year ago. From Seattle, because for a couple of reasons. My husband's work transferred us over, but also we were, my business partner and I were thinking about this concept of sourcing direct in the clothing space. I have a long history with China myself without getting too deep into it. I studied Chinese in my undergrad degree and then moved to Beijing my junior year. Lived in Qingdao for a summer, worked for a small manufacturing company there. And then after undergrad, I lived in Shanghai working for a consulting company that was helping brands come out to Asia. And I always wanted to come back. I didn't know what it was going to look like. But fast forward 10 years, I'm back and I get to kind of be on the ground doing mostly sourcing and product development for public habit now um, from Shenzhen.
0: Great yeah so i'll admit i was i'm a little bit ignorant when i was uh first coming to china so you said you said a few cities and for me listening i'm like wow you were you kind of hit all the major parts of at least coastal china beijing shanghai now shenzhen so i think at least for me i yep. didn't really realize this, those are pretty far away you know i don't want to some <laughs> listeners probably are pretty advanced <laughs> yeah. but those were like a few a couple hour flights each away from each other and they're much different types of environments i even picked up brands in shanghai which is true right shanghai is i still think like importing into mainland china selling into china but it is also the fashion capital and
1: mm-hmm. you're
0: um you're doing fashion but you're doing export but you're in shenzhen maybe it's also because of your <laughs> your uh your um your uh spouse it but uh, yeah but, uh, is there also maybe give us some insights of why maybe that's the reason why, but is there any other, other strategic reasons or business reasons or it would just. No, I'd say
2: strategic reasons too. I, um, you know, yes, if I could, if I could pick, I'm trying not to be snobby, but I do think Shanghai is a, is a much more lovely, exciting, especially as a woman in fashion. It's a fun city and Shenzhen does not have that glamour. But Shenzhen's where it's at right now. Um, It is, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm at the, in the same way that when I was in Shanghai 10 years ago and kind of seeing all the changes and how quickly everything was was moving, I feel like I'm in a similar environment here in Shenzhen, given that back home, I mean, people don't even know where Shenzhen is on the map. It's kind of embarrassing. (laughs) I know, I'm, um, and I'm here, and I'm watching the speed at which everything's happening, um, the innovation across sectors. Um, you know, I I wish my Chinese was better because I feel like I could learn uh, so much so quickly from from the locals here. But um, I'm excited to be kind of getting it by osmosis just by living here definitely a good place to be in the e-commerce and cross-border
0: space yeah i agree i i think for listeners just a quick uh overview but i think south china still is the export hub of you know of the um of of china i think you know beijing there's not much I think there is but when i you know i've i've also done a lot of sourcing manufacturing i there's also Zhejiang Province, Ningbo, and then which is near Shanghai. But yeah, I think the south yep. is is still kind of the capital, of course, for you know, e-commerce sellers, export based. Um, so let's let's. I would
2: get, say that the yeah, fashion, I would say just sorry one more point on that the it is um, definitely not you know it's definitely a hardware city. So yeah, I'm so. not I'm not finding as much of a community in fashion e-commerce here but the manufacturing base is the fashion i mean the best of the best there's so much going on in guangdong um yes there's a lot around the shanghai and ingo region but half of my supplier base is also in guangdong so that makes makes my life quite a bit easier
0: definitely definitely yeah yeah i mean of course it's hard I think there's no avoiding having multiple suppliers, and everybody would love to have all their suppliers in their one one city. Another last point for <laughs> well, my friends still back home in the U.S. think it just go, oh, you're in China. Can you just take a walk to the factory for this product? You know, they have no idea that there's different clusters of mm-hmm. types of products. And but um, yeah, we can go on for this. But I think well, let's let's just move into this whole sustainability direct. I think you saw on your LinkedIn profile or maybe in a conversation about slow, but slow by direct. Is that is that kind of? Um, yeah, it sounds like a right?
2: moron. I uh, agree. Um, yes. So we say, let me kind of try and break it down. Slow and sustainable because we only make what we sell um but direct because we're looking to remove as many layers between the manufacturer and the customer as we possibly can so just to you know i don't know how many of your listeners are kind of deeply in the fashion space but we're all fashion customers whether we like it or not um so we as customers you know we're probably used to going into big stores like h&m or zara or gap you see product on a shelf You can buy it on the spot or you can buy it online from Amazon or the website, you get it in a few days, but you never really think about how and where it was made. Uh, It just shows up. And what we have learned from being on the ground in product development, in sourcing, and really going deep with some of our factory partners, um, we understand how much waste there is in this industry. One in every three items on average that is made in the, in the fashion industry is never even sold. And that adds up to almost 50 billion garments annually That's just never finds a home. And it's typically going to end up in a landfill or incinerated. And the main reason for all of that excess overproduction is really just poor planning and kind of a very inefficient supply chain of in the fashion space, there's just a huge, long lead time between, you know, when a product is is conceived, like product conception, through to when it's delivered in store. That's anywhere from, you know, six to 18 months long, and the, really, the outcome of that is an insane amount of waste that is really contributing to uh, this growing um, environmental problem that needs to be addressed so for us we're asking our customers to wait a little bit longer so we don't we don't make any more than we need and then we can ship directly from the source removing a lot of the layers like warehousing or wholesaling to another retailer Um, and that's how we um, that's how we think about this slow and sustainable but direct business
0: model okay Makes makes sense. Yeah, I, I also think. Uh, I also think it's it's a good tagline because you're setting expectations right away. You know, it's it's way better to, you know, <clears throat> under promise or just make sure people almost build it in it. I think that's one of the negatives, in a way. You know, of course, there's people that drop ship off AliExpress. You know, there's people that you know sell globally from from Asia. I mean, that's one of the negatives of drop shipping or sending B two C from from China or Asia is it is mm-hmm. slower too, right? But you're even making mm-hmm. it, so um, mm-hmm. so it's great because I think one of the dangers a lot of people do when they do ship uh, from Asia is they don't uh, either one. They don't even tell the customer they're sending it from Asia that you know, some mm-hmm. customers are used to Amazon FBA where it's delivered in a couple, one or two days or I don't know, same day now maybe. But um, so I think it's great that you're kind of almost building that into your expectation and, and your branding and then also making it positively by the sustainability of the environment, getting custom made to order as well. Um, but yeah, I think listeners are probably not so much into fashion. Honestly, I'm even afraid of fashion. Maybe you're, you're actually solving mm. it because you're, you're doing it on demand but I think a lot of listeners, or at least people I know, are afraid to do it because there's so many different sizes and colors and styles. And like you said, it must, I, everybody knows about clearance, right? You're. I think uh, mm-hmm. TJ Maxx, my sister worked in retail at, in high school at TJ Maxx. And there's just these bins of like, you know, clothes out for like 80% off. You know, it's in a box mm-hmm. all wrinkled and people are just picking at clothes. You know, it's. I can imagine how much waste is in the fashion I'm, um, but I think listeners probably aren't so much experts in the fashion because I think a lot of us are just afraid to deal with all these sizes and and, and variations.
2: It's it's a very closed industry as well. I mean, it, it, I think the way that I like to look at it and my analogy now for people who are starting to question where their clothes are made is kind of, the farm to table movement in food we in the last 10 years especially in the US which has kind of been my home base there's been a huge shift to wanting to know where our produce comes from where our food is coming from how our chickens are raised and that I believe that trend is moving towards the fashion space too people want to know um but they it's a bit of a scary awakening when they start when we start peeling back the layers so I think our is, you know, we really want to be an educator in this space. You know, we're not coming from a design background. So we're really coming from business backgrounds, trying to look at what we thought were inefficiencies in the system and say, and try and help customers understand and allow them the opportunity to take a breath and say, okay, is this actually, is this what I need? Is this what I expect? Am I going to get what I expect? You know, people just want things to meet their expectations. And ideally, we're hoping that we exceed them because we can offer pretty exceptional value on some really good quality items.
0: It makes sense. So I'm I'm even curious. I I was trying to think of the listener. Let, can you walk us through maybe a, a, a the order flow of a typical Sure. Typical sure.
2: So... We sell exclusively on our website for now, publichabit.com. And if you place an order on our website, we will then start production on that item with one of our suppliers. All of our suppliers are currently in China um, and they will turn around product within a week. We do QC and packing and shipping out of a centralized fulfillment center in Shenzhen. And so we can turn around product to the customer within two weeks. So it's delivered within three to four weeks to the end customer, pretty much anywhere in the world right now.
0: Great. That Yeah, that sounds, that sounds like a good, uh, a good flow. And then this, I have no clue about fashion. So I guess is it customs people have to measure themselves or, you know, and then, How would yeah? That's a great
2: question. I think there's a there's a couple ways that this could evolve. You know, for now, you know, there's a true customization model that we have access to. You know, we could do bespoke t-shirts to the inch of what your body needs or wants. And we are the belief that people want us to have done most of the work for them. So, but give them you know some choice. So I think what we're starting is standard. European, US sizing, um, just a small size range to really test our concept and make sure that people are responding as we think they will to the quality and the the styles. Um, you've got thirty days to try it and return it if you don't like it for free. Um, and I think we'll get a lot of data back in terms of how our sizing and our fit is working through that model. And I think we it's very easy because of our model to make tweaks to anything whether it's fit design style color we can we can we can make that tweak tomorrow uh, we don't have a thousand units backed up in one color of one size we have literally until you until you order it um so that's where we're starting
0: okay yeah i'm checking out the site again now just, just as you talk and uh, it's uh it's always yeah i'm always amazed at fashion you know It's something i think at least i'll speak for myself maybe i don't know all everybody listening but you know this the sizing and the colors and the, how customers can choose to pick that online without you know seeing it i guess you're not i guess there's no ret- oh i see you have free returns 30 days mm-hmm. so then mm-hmm. i guess you just build that into the model of people not thinking is what they thought when they bought it or?
2: Exactly, exactly. I mean, I think on our, you know, when you think about traditional retail markups, every retailer is building in a returns model, but returns allowance, but they're also building in a markdown allowance and storage allowance and, and all the other things that kind of contribute to some of those inefficiencies that I mentioned before. Um, most of which we don't have. We don't have to worry about um, long warehousing. We don't worry about markdown allowance. But yes, there, there is an expectation that we'll have some returns. Um, and I think that's what we're going to be learning in the next few months as we start ramping up orders.
0: Understands? understand. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think that's part of the, especially with, with I think Zappos has the, they have the really crazy, no no questions asked, but I think overall mm-hmm. it works out because you don't want any hesitation for them to buy it online, right? I mean, I think that's the whole idea. Right. You just want to drop that, any kind of uh, reasons to not buy.
2: Exactly. Uh,
0: and then yes, yeah, has all B2C direct one piece, right?
2: Yes. We are all B2C one piece. Exactly.
0: Okay. And then is it, it's your brand? So it's, your brand, it's like uh, it'll come with your logo on the on the tags?
2: That's actually an interesting question. We are of the belief that labels are not adding anything special um or anything, you know, we, we kind of have a bit of a negative association of labels with added fluff and marketing and branding that don't contribute to the actual value of the product. So if you ordered a cashmere sweater from us, all it would have would be a care label with the size on it. There's no brand label.
0: Wow. Okay. Interesting. No, controversial. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, I, I'm more of, you know, I'm a content, I'm like, well, just like this podcast, this is content, I, I love content marketing or inbound marketing, but the other, the the one benefit is, you know, I also don't buy clothes. that has a huge logo on the front of it, you know, but you know, a little bit in the back, mm-hmm. you know, if, if the quality product's good and <laughs> yeah. you want to maybe tell your friend or your friend, you know, your wife's wall, your husband's washing your clothes and they, you know, tell their friends, there is some of that, at yeah. least for the marble.
2: And there's a practical reason. So, you know, which way around to wear the sweater. Yeah. Uh, but it definitely, it definitely may be something that we, we look to, to add in. I think one of, we, we really liked this, this, this idea of um, kind of no brands, no frills, just the good stuff. And I think we're recognizing as we grow, we're building a brand, whether yeah, I think whether we're building it in in the traditional sense or not, um that's that's who we are, and we want people to have an association of and to understand why we're doing what we're doing. So we should take credit for that. Um, yeah, and yeah,
0: yeah, I'll, uh, you know it, it's obviously your business, but I, for me as a i we always say on the show or I think in every everything I try to do is brand is basically the only thing and you did so much work and you're actually custom making it for them anyway. You know, I, I hope, well, I, I would love to hope or see that develop. I, I feel, um, and well, we
2: will take that. I'm going to write that in my, in my notes. You're definitely not the only one who said that.
0: Yeah. I just feel like maybe a customer, I don't know, less customers really feels like they wouldn't buy it because it has it. But I would, of course I, I personally never buy clothes that has a huge logo on the front of it or, even in this mm-hmm. anywhere on the outside, but if it's just on the inside, it um, also kind of in my feeling, a brand gives somebody association. They feel like they're they remember it, you know, they get this feeling in their mind that they're uh, you know
2: I, yes. And we want positive that association. Yeah. yeah. I think though what we what we have learned, especially, you know, my business partner and I were ex Amazonian. So we were working at Amazon. And I think one of the big trends that we were paying attention to was how younger customers were shifting from a brand first kind of mindset to a product first mindset. And that's what Amazon does. Like you, especially in these kind of more emotional categories like fashion it doesn't matter. I mean, yes, people may be searching for Nike and a lot of people are searching for Nike, but a lot of people are just searching for white socks. And if you've got the most reviews and the best price for, for the quality, you win. So we there's a I do think that if public habit evolves to be more of a marketplace model, the relationship that customers have will be with public habit as a marketplace that they trust of curated product direct from the source, which could be how this evolves. Like, yes, it's custom made, it's on demand but they'll still have an association and public habit as a brand in the same way the customer has a strong association with Amazon as a brand. Um, so that's, that's where we, that's, we think it could go either way, but um, we hear you and we'll let you know if we, sure. if the second we put, we start sewing those labels in.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, you slipped that in by ex Amazonian. I didn't hear you in the intro say that. Of course, people probably like <laughs> get interested about that. But, uh,
2: yeah no that was uh, that was six years of my life
0: wow okay great and uh, yeah I mean I we could talk about that you know that, that idea of it's
2: a whole nother podcast on that's that that's a Michael. whole
0: podcast that will one <laughs> your experiences there and two that whole what you just slipped in there about Amazon not you know taking product versus brand first I'm still on the edge I still hope that You know, there's so many of these quote-unquote small sellers, or or you know, mom. I don't want to say mom pops or listeners. You know, or people attending our events that are hoping that their brand means something. It's not just the lowest price on the uh, on the search results, but uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess there's mixed feedback on that. But
2: well, without going to a tangent, one thing I will say is when my business partner and I started, we we obviously we started with an Amazon model. We said what have we learned what do we know about this platform and what we know is that great value always wins out so and we believed that fashion purchases were going to continue to shift over to amazon so if we would be able to deliver great value on you know more more of your basics categories in fashion um and try and target the customer that we know is on amazon for other categories like home like higher end home products and things but um who would otherwise be shopping let's say lululemon offline imagine if we could come in with a 50 dollars pair of really high quality fitness leggings and i think what we've we found is that wasn't nearly Cheap enough. I mean, if we'd done probably enough research in that space and that category, we would have recognized we'd be up against Chinese sellers at $8 for leggings. But I do think that the concept of using Amazon as a testing platform, which is what we would hoped we could do, test on Amazon without investing too much in inventory and then build a brand around the winners, that was the idea. Uh, that's turned out to be much harder and much more expensive than we i think expected it to be as an fba seller um yeah. so that's 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 where public habit came in
0: make makes sense i mean yeah maybe we could get you on in the future i uh, i'd love to hear more about this topic but yeah we can't go too much off tangent too much although i think listeners probably enjoy this conversation <laughs>
2: they're probably um, like enough about fashion
0: yeah i mean there's but even you're just saying, but I think still a brand, even if you're the cheapest brand, if you're, as long as you're delivering good value and quality, people will know your brand is of value and quality, you know, even being cheapest. Mm-hmm. So I still think there's value to be associated with whatever your, you know, pricing strategy quality level is so people can buy more of that, you know, it doesn't need to be some kind of like overpriced, you know low lower core average or same quality as others but but uh yeah this is yeah well anyway yeah. i just hope you well i guess also if you're going to become a marketplace and you don't want to compete maybe you don't want to compete with your the the uh, sellers on your platform if you do become a platform rather than uh as your as a seller yourself right
2: mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that might
0: be another reason for your strategy so that you can open this up to others to, to do it-
2: Exactly. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, our our conclusion was brand is less important than it has been. People at the end of the day that we're targeting are very, very averse to labels in general. Yes, you can put a very subtle label in that, that does not indicate flashy by any means, but we just didn't think it added anything. We didn't think that that was an important part of how we're communicating and we're still going to be able to build a brand without having a label sewn into the garment, just because that's the way it's been done for hundreds of years.
0: Okay. So let's go to the next topic. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's uh, good. Well, that's cool. I like that. It's a whole new, new section I'm going to add to the show notes. Um, and then, and we talked, we talked about this before recording and even before you know, preparing for this interview, I know you maybe didn't want to make a big deal out of it, but I think listeners might want to know just what kind of technology you're using. Is you know what kind of tools or 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 services that yeah. you know, might be relevant for others trying to learn how to do it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I would say we kept it pretty simple. Um, we are operating just a Shopify website, um, and we use in, an in-house inventory management tool with our 3PL that we're working with that can integrate with Shopify. And for now, that's really all we need. I think when we kind of at the outset, when we were thinking about a marketplace of sellers and and customers and having this wonderful Amazon Amazon style marketplace model, we were we we're trying to get a bit fancy at at the forefront. Um and then we said we've got to test the concept, like what's um What's the simplest, cheapest, fastest way we can see if customers are willing to wait for on-demand product? And turns out you can do a pretty effective, a pretty effective version of that with the simple Shopify site.
0: Nice. Yeah, it's great. I mean, well, it's nothing fancy. Oh, it's amazing. You know, the technology. Uh, out there, and and people can can make things happen right away. And and like we said, uh, you, we don't have to have deep programmers. You want to invest in like developers? You know, you can invest in the product, supply chain. You know, making sure things get done exactly. right away. Yeah, which yes. is awesome. So I have the question, but so just to make sure everybody's clear, you're only you've mentioned already an interview, but you're just doing everything directly through your website. There's no no other e-commerce transactions outside. Uh no Amazon, yes, no, no Etsy, no <laughs> no uh no other market, no eBay, just purely your own website.
2: Pure our own website. Again, we understand the financials of being an Amazon FBA seller pretty pretty deeply and we didn't like those margins for what that would mean for what we'd have to retail it at for the customer. So we're trying to go as direct as we can.
0: Great. Um so then I wonder if there's paid paid ads in there for doing, you know, Facebook ads, Google ads, or are you doing, you know, organic? I saw some Instagram be. posts. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. We are really pushing organic right now. I think again, we're trying to question everything that has been done in the fashion B2C space in the last 10 years. I mean, there's so many of these brands that have popped up and been very successful, but they've all been able to ride the wave of, Facebook advertising being not affordable, but a reasonable investment. And right now for acquisition, it's just not. Um, it may still be the best place for us to acquire, but we're um, pretty committed to more of an organic approach through pop-ups offline, trying to get in front of customers as much as we can, um, trying to get as much Feedback, PR, media, um, and then our organic channels. I do actually believe that LinkedIn, surprisingly, has quite a powerful reach. So we're kind of interested in testing that as well.
0: Okay, great. Yeah, hopefully this this show helps out and uh, a little bit for some of that marketing. I hope you know we appreciate you sharing yes. with us. And uh, this is I don't know if the our listeners holiday,
2: holiday orders.
0: We might not right be your, I don't know if listeners are your customer, but we hope maybe that for it's it's whip. so just again you're targeting women and it's Someone in their life is yeah i mean what do you say is uh I'm looking at your instagram and your site what how do you segment your um your customer
2: i'd say yes yeah, so she's a she's a she for for now, Um we started with women's styles I would say that while there's no clear demographic because we ship globally and so far our orders are pretty split between the uk and the us it's definitely more urban big cities um than not and then i think we we look at who we're talking to in terms of this psychographic of people looking for quality over quantity it's a bit of a um, fatigue that people have had with the stuff and with fast fashion and I don't know if you're familiar with Marie Kondo, but there's very much this Marie Kondo effect of trying to declutter your life. And and I think people are really trying to understand how on a personal level, they can make changes that do have positive impact on the environment, on society, on the next generation. And we really want to be able to tap into that and, and provide some real solutions that actually
0: means something so that's who we're talking to yeah it's great i mean you also recently just uh, you know earlier in november 2019 posted uh about your backstory on the blog on the site and like i i've talked yes, especially I did. especially chinese sellers it's funny but even for westerners sometimes don't want to associate with china especially with their product or brand but you're embracing it you're talking about it like you say why why China um, made in China mm-hmm. why, you know why is it special of course we can we can link to this uh, I'll link to this blog post too well of course your main site but um so you're not afraid you're not thinking that being made in China's you know uh, no we're so we're negative. proud of it I
2: yeah I think it's um it uh, it's unfortunate that it has so many negative connotations that, you know, especially in the fashion space. I think uh, we really want to debunk a lot of the myths about made in China meaning poor quality, which I think is the number one myth that still exists. I mean, if there's anything that it's not, it's poor quality. Yes, you can find shoddy suppliers, but you can find them anywhere. You can find them in LA, in uh, in New York. So I think it's about looking and building relationships with the right people. And there's so much expertise here. We really wanted to focus on, on working with suppliers who are sourcing fabrics from very close to their manufacturing base. And because we focus on cashmere and wool, the fabric doesn't have to travel as far, which has also got some positive impact there. They're experts at cashmere and wool. There's no one who does it better than China. So for us, we are proud to showcase what they can do. Um, and yeah, I'll keep talking about it.
0: Great. More power to you, and actually, somebody was just telling me about merino wool is like the the coolest, the best fabric. Somebody trying to get me to 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 use it for myself. They say it's like light and and can be warm and cold, so it's it's cool. Uh, it's cool stuff here.
2: Yes, I will say that is the one imported fabric that's Australian merino wool, but the mills are in are in China, so they bring in the yarn from Australia and then they spin it in china
0: great so let's um let's maybe also kind of get wrapping up a little bit longer than my normal ones but i think this has been awesome discussion so for others listening we've kind of you know hinted you've been sharing you know the tech and the the story and i think when we were talking at the summit you said there's a huge opportunity for more people to do this right i mean you think this is the future of e-commerce
2: Yes, I really do. I think that we need to have more of a direct model. Um, I think, you know, fashion or not, I think that the retail landscape is changing and has been changing, but it's really undergoing some dramatic shifts right now. Um, and particularly in the supply chain space, I think the lack of flexibility that there has been, you know, I know fashion pretty deeply. I can't speak for other categories but the fact that it takes 12 to 18 months to commercialize a new product it just is totally at odds with the customer of the 21st century and the customer's not going to be less fickle in the future um, and I think these supply chains need to be more demand driven they need to listen to customers and be able to react more quickly without having the risk associated of having to make too much stuff that they don't need and I think that the answer to that I think you need a much more closely tied supply and demand that are much more closely connected and one way we're going about doing that is really consolidating our supply base building really really deep relationships with these suppliers and putting some skin in the game for them so not being on a traditional kind of payment structure that you would typically have with a supplier 10 years ago and you know it's got to be good for them good for us and good for the customer and we believe that the only way to do that is to actually make what people want versus have supply drive what we're trying to sell the customers which has been the traditional model
0: okay exciting so i think we're 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 right you know i think we did a great talk a great discussion i think there's a lot more we can get you on in future shows if you're willing and i really appreciate you sharing and what are some ways people can find you of course publichabit.com we linked it up and also that i like that the little backstory blog post there uh and our instagram is there other other is that good or is there other ways too
2: i'd say those are the those are the big ones um i definitely think you know, you can also find me on LinkedIn, Sydney Badger. Um, but I think the blog is kind of my baby right now. We're, we're hoping to really build it up as a source of knowledge and, and data that's not intimidating about what's happening in the fashion supply chain and manufacturing in China. So I'm um, definitely book to follow on there. And our Instagram is a good feed of, of how we're building and growing public habit.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Sydney. It's been a pleasure.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. This has been really fun.
0: Okay. Thank you, Alpha Rock Capital, sponsor and supporter of The Globe From Asia and what we do here. If you are interested in investing in Amazon FBA companies, brands, physical product businesses, and wanna get more information, check them out. I am a partner there, happy partner at alpharockcapital.com connect, where you can engage with others and we will route you to the right agent or person in the team to talk to about your investment or maybe you're looking to sell your business. We have been doing that as well. So, I'd love to hear from you. Tell them, Globe From Asia, Mike sent you and I appreciate it. Cheers wow and miles just showed me it's we don't have video here but his tooth is almost out miles your tooth fall out yes almost yeah wow that's crazy he just took, opens his mouth and takes his finger and pulls it at, almost uh, out but it's hanging on by a thread but it'll come out soon i i uh wow okay daddy stuff so you guys having fun with daddy yeah all right, Thanksgiving Day here again. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed that podcast interview with Sydney. It was it was great. We had to rearrange the schedules, and we made it happen. I was in Taiwan; she's in China. It's just amazing. Uh, but I think it really fits the, the, the whole idea of the show, global from Asia. You know, running an international business from Asia or China, and she's expanding quickly. And I, I really wish her the best in in her uh, expansion for Public Habit website and fashion direct from china and other parts of asia there's so much opportunity for sure to do so what's up next here well there's so much happening as i alluded to in the preview we are planning to go to china for the first half of 2020 and then back to chiang mai after the summer so did you guys like the new school in thailand
1: yes why? like be- because, be- because we like the we we like we we like to we like to we would like to make we like to meet grandma and grandpa.
0: Oh, that's in China, you mean? In China? But you saw a new school in Chiang Mai in Thailand. Remember, we went to see it. Did you like that new school? Yes. They still got a lot of playgrounds there, outside stuff, right?
1: They got two playgrounds.
0: Ooh, two playgrounds. So I one guess one
1: for big kids and one for little kids. Three playgrounds. Oh, um, the the big kids at the they have a big kids playground and the small and the and the boy and the boy kids and and um. And a boy and a girl
0: can go in. And... Great, so you guys, I, I understand now what you're interested in playgrounds. But uh, yeah, so it'll be a half year in China, then back to Chiang Mai, Thailand for the second half of the year. And we're discussing where to put the cross border summit. It looks like November 2020 in Chiang Mai. It's gotta make that hard move um, to Southeast Asia. We wanna have more Southeast Asia content, more. Uh, e-commerce from Asia, not just mainland China. Just like Sydney, she's expanding into Asia, not just China. So we want to stick closer to what we say about global from Asia. Look, 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 What's that?
1: That's temple.
0: Oh, the temple. You like temples?
1: Yes, it's, um, it's up from the mountain. The Buddha lived there.
0: Nice, yeah, the Buddha lives in the temple. It's cool. Do you like that?
1: Yes. yes, yes. You never see it one.
0: Yeah, we can go see the temples. Yeah, well, I guess these kids will get a lot of international exposure for sure. I mean, Thailand—a little bit of Thai. You want to learn Thai, Miles? Mm, yes. Yeah, in the new school, there's gonna be more Thai, and then you're gonna you're gonna learn how to write Chinese, right? Mommy wants you to learn to write Chinese, okay?
1: Okay okay
0: so it's uh three different languages we amazing english chinese and thai so i wish i learned that when i was a kid and um but yeah we're looking to do more content in southeast asia lazada was a popular one i was a host of a panel for the neat hong kong bangkok event a week or two ago in november 2019 and there was a lot of interest more interest than on Lazada than on the Amazon content. People are just really curious how to do that. So, and even at the cross-border summit, we had some speakers talking about Southeast Asia and there was a lot of interest there. So I think we're gonna add a whole track of this stuff to the cross-border summit in Chiang Mai in 2020, our fifth annual. And uh, for my plan, I plan to spend some time in Manila in early 2020 with the Alpha Rock team building out even more content and biz dev things for the investment stuff in the Amazon businesses so I'm excited about that but um it's there's just you know I honestly didn't expect this China move but uh Wendy's family has been getting worse and worse with health and hospital visits so you know she says you know we don't know her father and mother will be happening long term to kids grandparents so it Spend six months, it's better than flying there for two days and flying back. So, might as well make the most. Yes, Maggie? What? This is the blah blah blah. You like the blah blah blah? Yes, blah
1: blah blah. I like blah blah blah.
0: All right. But yeah, I think the Globe From Asia content will get more into Southeast Asia, of course Lazada, and more, um, you know, international business from Asia, not just uh, China. I know I lived there and a lot of our content was that, but I think the world is changing and there's more and more interest to do stuff in Southeast Asia, so I don't know if there's not many others doing that type of content, and I hope that listeners enjoy this. I always try to hear what you guys are up to. We also send out a newsletter... And emails. So if you're not on our email list, you can go to globalpharmasia.com/slash subscribe. And uh, okay, Miles likes China, I know. And uh, what? No China?
1: No China. Ch-
0: China. All right, Miles. You're gonna do the. You're gonna help me do the interviews for these shows when you're bigger. You gotta say, not just move your head. He's definitely gonna help me make websites. We got a lot of websites we do. We get so much content and internet marketing Um, Miles, I'm excited to have you get more involved with that. So Anyways, we are rocking and rolling here uh, Almost at the uh, meeting and it's Thanksgiving day if you can believe it so I am uh, just really moving along here and I think we'll wrap it up. I gotta clean things up before we get out of the grab car, and uh, maybe the kids will be more involved in the show. But uh, the really hard part is I probably won't be seeing them as much in the first half of 2020 as I I could stay in China with them. But I don't have an active visa for long term anymore. I didn't didn't renew permits and company stuff, so I don't know if I will uh, be able to stay there that long plus the internet deep up in north china with really bad internet and I, I don't know there's i just don't think i can stay there on a long-term basis and uh, luckily my wife is independent and understands and that was her idea anyway when she brought this all up anyways thanks sydney for sharing and i hope you guys enjoyed this blah 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 session we are um keeping things real here as always take care